Hey everybody, welcome back to the Time Pass Podcast. This is your host, Ashika. Thank you so much for joining me today, you guys. If you haven't done so already, please like me on Facebook at Time Pass Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Time Pass underscore podcast. And check out the YouTube channel where you can watch all the episodes of the Time Pass Podcast. You can find the link to that in my bio, on my IG, or on my website, timepasspodcast.com. And if you are an auditory listener, wherever you are tuning into the Time Pass Podcast, wherever you tune into podcasts, <laughs> please make sure that you are liked, followed, or subscribed on your listening platform of choice. All right, you guys. I wanted to just give a little update real quick before I get into this episode a little bit. I, as you all know, I broke my ankle in May and I have been on the mend recovering since then. I am happy to report that the cast is finally off. I had to wear a cast for about two months and the cast has finally come off and now I'm wearing some Edward Scissorhands looking (laughs) cam, uh, cam walker. It's like a cam air boot walker and... I, y'all, I was so, like, naive. I literally took my right shoe with me to my last appointment, and I thought when they told me, like, hey, your cast is gonna come off, the type of boot they were gonna give me, I could, like, wear a shoe and wear it. No, no. They, I was so naive. They're like, even my cast guy, who's been my cast guy since May, was like, you're awful optimistic. Like, you're not wearing a shoe out of here. Is that what you thought? And I was like... No, that's not what I thought because it was obvious in his expression how ridiculous of a thought that would be. Uh, But I have to wear this thing for another two months. It's not fun. It's like, and the thing is, is so where I broke my ankle, there's like four screws now holding it all together. There's also one super long screw that goes all the way through my ankle. And that screw is supposed to come off at the end of September. And the doctor was like, yeah, you're going to wear this boot until you come back to see us at the end of September. And then it's going to be super simple. We're just going to do it here in the office, but we're just going to cut a little hole and yank that screw out. And I'm like, okay. Uh, And then they proceeded to terrify me saying that I had to use the, 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 the cam walker anytime I'm walking around, even if I feel like I can walk around without it because of the said long screw. Apparently, if you walk around too much with said long screw in your ankle, it will snap in your ankle. And they're like, you do not want that to happen. So besides like walking barefoot to get in the shower and out the shower, I am not allowed to walk around without having this walker on. And what's worse is you can't drive with it on. It's just so, I wish I could like, ugh, I'm not that flexible. If you're watching on YouTube, I wish I could like lift my leg up and show you. But uh, it does look like some Edward Scissorhands contraption because it has all these straps. I believe there's seven straps on the whole damn thing. So it's like I'm strapping myself in and there's two rods all up the side. Some of you who have had a, a cam walker before know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'm trying to describe it for those of you that haven't. And I literally have to wear this thing for two months until I go in for them to pull that screw out. 
The good news is, is that they say that after the screw comes out, mobility returns to normal and it's like that. So I'm like, okay, great. But I can't drive in it. This is where this all started. I can't drive in it. So I literally have to wear it, go to the car, sit down, take it off, put on some sort of a driving shoe that will fit my swollen foot. Cause yes, folks, it's still swollen. And then drive to where I'm going, park the car, take that shoe off, put this boot back on, and then get out and get around. Not fun, y'all. It's really not fun, but I am enjoying being more mobile. I think my mom has just like vetoed taking care of me anymore. She's like, you need to learn to get back on your feet and do things by yourself, and so I get it. Uh, but it is, that's where I'm at. That is where I'm at with this. Uh, I am able to get around a lot more. Um, it's nice. You should have seen that foot that was in that cast for two months, y'all. It was not pretty. It looked like the creature from the, the Black Lagoon. It was not cute. So right now I'm rehabbing that leg, trying to get all the dead skin off TMI. But, you know, it's almost starting to look normal. Almost. Almost. It's been a few days. So a lot of soaking and just moisturizing and waiting to get that thing back to looking normal. So let's get into the meat of this episode today. While I have been home, I haven't had a whole lot to do. So I spent a lot of time reading. I have been obsessed with two things. Okay. The first, I got obsessed with Peaky Blinders. If you have not seen Peaky Blinders, it's available on Netflix. It's um, an English show that is, the series is completed. So the series was six seasons and it's completed. I'm currently on season five and I kind of took a break because I'm so sad because I know once I start season five, I'm gonna wanna see season six and then I'll be like, it'll be over and I'll be out of the Peaky Blinders world. But I love the Peaky Blinders. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I 10 out of 10 recommend you watch it. If you like like crime, drama, a little bit of romance, like it, it's got it all. So I love that. I'm a big fan of like mob movies. So it's like a English gangster movie set in like the, I think it starts in the 1900s, 1920s, 1930s, and it goes up from there. So watch that. The second thing I've been obsessed with, okay, my friend Kelsey, who's been on the show before, came by to visit me, obviously. I've had a lot of visitors since I've been home, homeward bound, a hermit, stuck here all summer long. <laughs> so she came to visit and she's like, what are you doing with yourself? And I'm like, nothing much. And she brought me a book and she says, I'm obsessed with this, read it. And I have them all, so when you're done, let me know. And she literally, we live in the same town. She probably lives about 10, 15 minutes away from me. And so she said, when you're done, let me know and I'll bring you the next one. And I was like, really? And she's like, it's good. You're gonna like it. And I'm like, okay, like I'm into that. She's like, you're into fantasy. I was like, yeah, I'm into it. And I'm like, guys, you've probably heard about it on TikTok. You've probably seen like wiki pages. People are going nuts over this. A Court of Thorns and Roses. This series, y'all, and I'm going to start this off by saying, spoiler alert, I have read the first two books, which is A Court of Thorn and Roses and A Court of Mist and Fury. I'm on the third one. I'm about a quarter of a way in, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but probably a little bit since I am a quarter of the way in. 
But spoiler alert, if you want to read these books and you haven't yet, don't listen. Stop listening. Come back and listen to the show after you've read the first two books. Guys, I am obsessed with Akatar. And I don't even know if I'm saying that right. And we're going to go back to pronunciations in this book because the author pronounces things really weird compared to how I would pronounce them. But whatever. If you like fantasy, you guys know how much I love books. Like, if you like fantasy romance, female heroism, like a strong female lead, read, I was going to say watch this, read this series. It is so good. The first book in length is probably like this thick. The second and third are like this thick. So don't get overwhelmed. They're really easy to read through. They're super simple reads, easy reads. Uh, the worst thing you're going to struggle with is the pronunciation of the places and the people, some of these names, and there's a WikiHow page for that. So uh, go to that. Actually, Kelsey came over the other day and she uh, asked me how I thought certain things were pronounced. And then I told her and she's like, nope. And my heart broke because some of these names I really thought I was pronouncing and I still can't wrap my head around the way they're supposed to be pronounced. This series is set in the mortal realm. It's like mortal realm and fairy realm and the mortal realm is like this big compared to the giant fairy realm and they're at odds right mortals against fairies there's been a treaty they're at odds fairies are introduced just being vicious and evil and run for your life and only iron can ward them away and we're introduced to our homegirl our main character female strong lead character farah and it starts off and we're all feeling sorry for Farah because she's, you know, she is, I believe, the youngest sister or the middle sister. I can't even remember how horrible is that, but she's definitely not the eldest. And um, she's left to fend for her family after her father loses all of his fortune. Apparently they were very well off. And then he lost all his money. So they had to move into this little shack and her other sisters couldn't get over their lavish lifestyle. Um, they're basically like pillow princesses and just couldn't, you know, get their hands dirty or do anything. The dad ends up getting paralyzed from debt collectors. So they have no means for food. And Farah ends up having to be the one who's bringing home the bread, who's going out and hunting and killing and finding food so that they have something to eat. And then she takes, you know, what she finds and she sells the pelts for money so that they can buy things. And then the meat they they keep for themselves to feed themselves and they can it and dry it for future seasons. So we're introduced and, and Farah is out in the dead of winter hunting and she ends up accidentally killing this giant wolf who is actually a fairy and then enter the it's so hard for me to say this but Tamlin is the protagonist male lead in the first book so enter Tamlin and y'all we just fall in love with Tamlin first we're terrified of him because he's a fairy and then he's like nope you killed my friend you now have to come live with me like that's the only thing I'm gonna do and so then takes Farrah away into the fairy realm, which is not allowed, by the way. Humans are not allowed to go to the fairy realm. Fairies are not allowed to go to the human realm. Yet they've been sneaking in and slaughtering humans another time. 
So Farah gets whisked away to Tamlin's court. Turns out he's a high lord of the spring court. Everything has to do with seasons and um, solar cycles in the fairy realm right now. Uh, so in, in Prithian. So he is the high lord of the spring court. So she enters his world and it's like an eternal spring. It's always smelling beautiful and everything's green and there's birds and there's butterflies and it's like lilies like she smells it reminds me of that scene in Bridgerton where he's like lilies like it all smells so good right in the book and she's just like flabbergasted and we don't know who Tamlin is but then he's basically like a nice guy and he's just like yeah you gotta live here but he's not making her do anything he's just like yeah, live here, and like, here's a nice, really nice bedroom in my palace, and here's, you know, you're gonna have people wait on you hand and foot, and now she has all this fairy food at her disposal, and all of a sudden, she can just be, and not have to worry about her sisters and father, although she does, because she made a promise to her mother on her deathbed that she would always look after them. So she has this guilty conscience, conscience but she can just eat to her heart's content she can wear fine clothes if she show if she so chooses and she can pursue her little hidden habit talent that she didn't ever have enough money to buy paints but she's an artist she loves to paint so tamlin introduces her to this place where she ends up feeling really secure and really safe to just be hers it's the first time in her life that she doesn't have to be the one looking out for everybody she was kind of like the one in charge even though she wasn't the oldest because the father was just kind of out of it so now it's like oh i'm not in charge like i can just be me and then there are threats obviously there's a threat and there's an antagonist amarantha and her court under the mountain and we start to learn about this and we start to learn all about all those wicked fairies who i talked about earlier who are going uh through the wall and wreaking havoc on humans and killing them and we turn to find out all this stuff and it has a very beauty and the beast vibe because tamlin and the entire spring court is cursed and they all have to wear these masks on their face so it is very beauty and the beast because she doesn't really know what he looks like like you know behind the mask but we start to see tamlin become softer to her and the other uh character that lives in the his emissary uh, Lucian, Lucian, which is pronounced Lucian, but I pronounce it Lucian. So Lucian is like, you know, his buddy and his emissary, and he's always trying to like soften him towards Farah and soften Farah towards Tamlin. And then they kind of become friends. And, you know, she lives this life and there's this impending danger. And then Farah is basically forced into the role of heroine once again because amarantha has this little lackey named resand I, I can't even say that i call him Rysand, but the proper proper way is resand so resand enters and he's painted as an antagonist as well and the lackey of the main antagonist amarantha but you can tell that resand likes pharaoh 
And we also noticed that we don't really know what Rhysand's motives are because there are times where he has information that he can use against Hamlin and Farah in the Spring Court, but he chooses not to as a way to protect them, quote unquote, protect them. But he's the High Lord of the Night Court. So it's all dark and tattoos and black. So he's presented in the first book pretty much as an antagonist until we get further on once Farah ends up going to because Farah ends up going to under the mountain to end up rescuing everyone but before we get there she and Tamlin Avi fall in love yet she never says it to him and then Resand finds out about her and Tamlin becomes terrified that she will be used as a pawn by Amarantha against him. So he sends her away. Go back home to your mortal lands where he set up her family back in their lavish lifestyle. And he's like, go away, you can't stay here. And as she's riding away, he says, I love you. And she wants to say it back. She has the thought, but she doesn't say it. She returns home. It's kind of weird with her family. Everybody believes this story that the fairies spelled them to believe, except for her eldest sister, who's like, no, I know what happened. I remember everything. I don't believe the spell didn't work on me. So then she ends up telling her sister everything. And then she's home and she realizes, I have to go back. So then she, Farah, goes back to the spring court, back through the wall, gets through and the court is thrashed. It's just trashed, it's thrashed. Nobody's there, she doesn't know what happened. And one of the servants who was like her handmaiden while she was with Tamlin in the spring court ends up popping up and then spills the beans about the curse of the masks. And if she had only said, I love you back before the seven years was up or whatever, then Hamlin would have had all his powers back and the masks would have been gone but because he couldn't find a mortal to fall in love with him before his seven years was up he was then captured and taken by Amarantha under the mountain and Farah decides at that point I'm gonna go save them and that's where she turns back into the Farah that we saw in the beginning where she's like a badass and she's hunting and she's put through these three trials and we start to love her willpower and her cunningness and her strength and her smarts. And it's like, she's this whole other person. And y'all, at the end of this, she was also given a riddle and she finally solves it and it's love. But as she's solving it, she ends up dying. And spoiler she's resurrected okay she's resurrected by the other seven high lords that rule uh prithian and then she's turned into a high fae herself so now she's no longer immortal and we see a lot of resand when she's stuck under the mountain in the prison cells going through her trials he's actually helping her he strikes up a bargain with her and then he kind of parades her around like his whore but never touches her. So we're like, what is your deal, Rhysand? And then in the end, he's the one that ends up going for Amarantha. And so then we realize, okay, you actually are a good guy. She becomes a fairy. 
the, her and Rhysan have this moment, and then he leaves and goes back to his court. She returns with Tamlin. Enter the second book. Everyone's treating her like she walks on water, right? But then Tamlin goes back to doing what he does, where, like, you don't have to do anything, Farah. Just paint and let me protect you like I always have and eat and do whatever. But now Farah's completely different. Her hunter-killer instincts are there. Plus, she's a high fae. She's going through all these changes. And she's bored. Like, a woman is not something to just be locked up and paraded around, you know? She's bored. And then enter Ianthe, which I just want to call Ianthe. But Ianthe, who's this high priestess, who is now also an antagonist, I want to say. Uh, but she is basically in Tamlin's ear saying this is how things should be done and they're getting married and she hates her wedding dress yet everyone's forcing her to wear it and she's being suffocated she's losing weight in this lifestyle and while she was under the mountain in book one she ended up having to make this deal with 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 Resand in order for him to help her that she has to live with him for one week every month and he hasn't collected since they left under the mountain but she has this tattoo that matches the tattoos of the High Lord of the Night Court. And one of them has an eye. And we we figure out through the first book and during the trials that the eye is kind of a bond to resand and helps her during the trials. But, you know, second book, she's being suffocated. She kind of hates it. She's annoyed with Tamlin. Tamlin's not listening to her. Even Lucian is like, Lucian is like, hey, bro, you gotta listen to her. But no. Everybody is just like, no. And even when Farrah tries to talk to Lucian, he's like, I have to do what he says. So no one's listening to her. She has no voice anymore. Yet she's the one who rescued all their asses from under the mountain. And so she's walking down the aisle. It's the wedding day. And she is internally just saying, someone help me, someone help me, because she's gonna back out. She can't see herself marrying him. Because she's so guilty of how broken she is inside, she feels that Tamlin deserves better. Not because she has feelings for someone else, but because she feels very broken inside and that she doesn't make him happy and she can't make him happy and he deserves better. And she starts begging like, oh, somebody, anybody help me. Remember? Remember that eye and the tattoo? Resan shows up and carries her away, y'all. And this is where in book two it gets good because... Tamlin becomes the antagonist. He's the bad guy. He is basically suffocating her and Rhysand shows her his whole world and is giving her choices and uh, training her, teaching her to read, offering a job to her where she could use the skills that she's good at, not treating her like this little porcelain doll that's going to break the way that Tamlin does. And... The plot thickens, then we find out, like, she starts having feelings for him, and she ends up, well, she doesn't start having feelings for him until she permanently leaves Tamlin's court, because he ends up doing the worst thing to her, which is basically, she begs him, there's some danger, and she begs him, let me go, let me go, I want to come to you, I can be helpful, remember me, the hero from the first book, and he's like, no. And ends up locking her in the house, which basically makes her feel like she's locked in that prison cell under the mountain from book one. She loses her shit. 
All of her powers are uncontrollable. Tamlin won't let her train. So she's created this vortex around her, and then someone from the night court comes and saves her and then takes her to Resand, and she doesn't want to go back. So as she's living in the night court now, she's done with Tamlin. She's done with him. He's, she's now privy to all this information because she's actually decided to take a job with Resand and help him on his next mission which is, you know, another conflict from Highburn, which is another fairy island. And so, you know, they turn out to be mates. It's just, it's so good, you guys. They turn out to be mates. She finds out in the worst way possible while he's on his deathbed and she's trying to help him, but she already has feelings for him. He has feelings for her. Like, this is so good. And then we find out, like, Resand is amazing. Like, I, I kid you not, the thing about the series is as much as I love Tamlin in the beginning, like, I love Tamlin so much. And at the end of the book and at the beginning of the second book, I was like, please don't break them up. Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. But then as you read the second book, you're like, fuck you, Tamlin. Bring on Resand. Brysand. Reese. Whatever. Um, bring on Resand and then we fall in love with him and there's no going back. Like, there's no going back to Tamlin after you figure out who Resand really is. And then you start to kind of hate Tamlin. And then it's like the series, you guys. Tamlin ends up stabbing everybody in the back, siding with the King of Highburn. Her sisters, Ianthe ends up giving up, Ianthe ends up giving up the location of Farrah's sisters. They get pulled into it. They get turned into high bay at the end of the book. And the way it ends, y'all, Farrah, her and Rysand, Rysand have completely accepted each other and they've sealed the deal. But Tamlin is so blind with his own love that he thinks that Resand has controlled her mind and made her leave him and he won't listen. She sent him letters. She told Lucian in person, like, hey, this is where I'm at now. Don't come looking for me. He is so in denial that what ends up happening is after Tamlin betrays them all, Farah then decides she's going to play along and pretend like Resand did control her mind and plays this great part where she's like, oh my God, the curse broke finally. And then, oh, Tamlin. And at the end of book two, she ends up going with Tamlin. And we know that she's pretending and, and Resand knows that she's pretending, but Tamlin doesn't. And it's like, ooh, she's about to kill you from within because Farah is this badass in book two. She is a, she's a badass in book one. Like, but in the beginning of book two, she's, they're trying to make her into somebody who she's not. And I love this series for those positive female, like, vibes. Like, yeah, females can be the protagonist. Females can be strong. And don't put a baby in a corner. Nobody puts Farah in a corner. I am so obsessed with this series, y'all. I will tell you I'm on book three, and there's five books total, but I'm on book three, and she does end up returning back home to the night court, so all is well there, 
But that's all I know right now because I'm like a quarter of the way in. I don't know what else, whether what other drama is going to happen. A war is coming, so there's going to be a lot of drama and there's a lot more antagonists in it. But I am obsessed. I hate. Can we just talk about Ianthe for a second? She's a high priestess and she's a perv. I love the way the author actually like. It's it's kind of comical because in real life we often hear about priests abusing their power and um, coming on to children and, and women and the high priestess in this series abuses her power and comes on to men. Uh, not children, but men. She comes on to men and touches them against their will. And Lucian being a receiver of that. It's just, it's so, I hate her so much. You can tell that she is... An antagonist, you can tell that she's bad vibes from the moment she's introduced in book two, but we don't really get to see a lot of it until the end of book two and the beginning of book three. Uh, so I just highly recommend this series. There's a reason why everybody's talking about it. You will become obsessed. Do not let the number of pages hold you down. As far as my favorite character, I really love Resand. I think, like, I love him more than I love Farah. Resand is just so, like, unselfish and so loyal to his people and his friends. And when you say that there's someone who's willing to do anything to save his people, and I mean anything, that's Resand. Literally, it's recent, and I love that for him so much. He's my favorite. Y'all, where are my Akatar people out there? Have you read this series? Are you into it? Are you gonna go read it? Let me know if you are <laughs> a nerd like me and you're into A Court of Thorn and Roses. I would love, love to talk to you about it. Shoot me a DM or shoot me an email at timepasspodcast at gmail.com. You guys, that's all I've got for you today. I just wanted to talk about what I'm currently obsessed with. And Akhtar is at the top of the list right now. <laughs> all right, you guys, if you haven't done so already, please like me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, and make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch all of the episodes if you are a time passer, do me a favor and share this episode with at least one other person. If you Do you know somebody who's like me and is a total Akatar nerd, totally into the series of these books and talks about the fairy world way too much? Share this with them. Share this with somebody who you think would like to read the A Court of Thorns and Roses series. I would greatly appreciate that, you guys. That's all I've got for you today. Stay authentic in whatever you do, and I will see you next time.